This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Hello. Hello, Bo. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Let me uh sound good. Let me make sh- Okay, sound sounds good on my end. Yeah, you sound good, you know. I always say you sound good anyway, you know. <laughs> uh well, yeah, you know, I've been kind of thinking around with my setup and I was worried that it wouldn't be picking up my uh my mic through Skype correctly, but hey, if it sounds good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fix something until it's broke. Your mic sa- makes your voice sound sexy. That's what I like. <laughs> That's what I specifically asked for when I ordered it. I, like, I need. I need a mic that makes me sexy. Yeah, as you say, did you buy your mic from a magician's tent. This one makes you sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was. It was very oh, much so. God. How you doing uh, anyway? You're right. How's it? I'm you- good. I'm good. Been busy. You've been busy, haven't you? I mean, I, you haven't stopped, have you? <laughs> I mean, not. not this month. Yeah. I'm still uh, in the midst of the 31 days. I've got most of that done at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the lion's share of it's done. Uh, and then, you know, kind of deciding, hey, like, I'm just going to put all the shit I do under uh, one one banner. Um that that's been really good, but also it sort of invites me to do a bunch more work. Yeah, and and so I've been you know doing that stuff. So yeah, it's it's been a lot, but I've had a great time. Like it's been a great Halloween, so I can't complain. Absolutely, like I've had a blast. Yeah, and you've and, also and, got you know I'm I'm kind of like you know there was somebody was talking about uh, uh, Mel Brooks not retiring, uh-huh. and somebody asked him like, when are you going to retire? He's like, what the hell would I do? Exactly. And that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm like, what? What else would I be doing if not this? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. We can think of a few things, I guess. But there you go. We'll put that one out there for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, I, you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of long hours too. She's, uh, you know, like that's the thing is like she's a nurse, so she works a ton, right? And. Um, and so when she's working, this is what I feel my, fill my time with. And the more she works, the more podcast stuff I do. That's, that's the equation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've got a very, um, uh, understanding girlfriend myself. I think she secretly likes me doing this stuff. 
Do you know what I mean? You know, she yeah, kind of... I, for sure. I, you know, I know, like, Brandy and I have had that discussion yeah. a couple of times where she's like, I just like that you're interested in stuff and that you do stuff. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just sit around and, you know, watch TV or watch football and yell at the screen and stuff like that. Like, um, I, I think that it sounds like much like your girlfriend that it's you know kind of low-key support she's not deep into it or anything but yeah she she enjoys that i do it yeah i know i think i found myself late there's the sort of midlife that i am ish now um focused on a lot of my hobbies which i absolutely love and does a hell of a lot for me the podcasting world i'm apps i'm having an absolute blast with um, as you know, I do all my treasure hunting as well, you know, like locally in fields and stuff like that, and also build all my movie props. So it's it's all developing, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, like you're, you're uh, what? It's the rags. To, I'm going to get the name wrong. Your your Facebook page about all the from rags props to movie stuff. props. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right, rags yeah. to movie props. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was it. I was like, I I doubted myself. Um. Yeah, like that stuff is really cool, and I, you know, I've posted a little bit about this here and there, but I've really gotten into a lot of DIY, like holiday decorating and stuff. Like this is real. Oh old yes, man shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The old uh, Sasquatch uh, <laughs> thing going on at the moment as well, isn't it? <laughs> the, yeah, the, the the Sasquatch thing for sure. Um, but. You know, like all last weekend, uh, when I wasn't doing podcast stuff, I was like getting a cemetery set up in the in the front yard, and you know, we were making these chicken wire ghosts and making sure the lighting worked on those and stuff like that. Just like you know, making uh, her neighbors uh, frustrated, I'm sure, by the amount of uh, you know graves now in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you, speaking of, you know, yeah. since we're kind of tangentially talking about girlfriends, this is how I do. I had the right one. So we're setting up this cemetery uh, in her front yard and I'm making sure that the, you know, the styrofoam tombstones aren't going to blow around in the wind and that kind of thing, securing them to the ground and whatnot. And she was like, I need to get some mulch so these look fresh. And I was like, I love you so much. Yeah, there you go. You, you you found the yeah. That's it. You found the right woman in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It was yeah. so rewarding. How'd I was you, like, this yeah, this is why we're perfect. How do you know you met the right right woman or person in your life? They let me put uh, gravestones in my front yard. <laughs> in not mine, hers. Oh, I in, was putting oh, in hers. In her oh, sorry, yeah. in hers. Oh, that's even yeah. better then. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. for sure. Like, like we spend a, mm. a lot of time just like, how can we make your house look scarier? Yeah, let's it's, do this. It's great. Oh my god! You know what, Bo? Uh, this happens all the time. I think I might just have to keep this little segment in. Actually, do you know what I mean? Because I, f I feel like people in the world need to hear this conversation. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> the the positivity of uh, mulch in the front yard as uh, freshly dug graves. Yeah, and, and you know, this always happens. As soon as I hit that record button, I'll say, hello, Bo, how are you doing? I always think, I'm never going to say, welcome to Bite Size Cinema. It's just going to be, yeah, it's going to be about six to ten minutes of conversation where it's going to be great stuff. So, um, <laughs> to all you <laughs> listeners out there, I'm going to do, I've done this before. So, I'm going to start the show off 
with that conversation leading up to Welcome to Bite Size Cinema, everybody. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, They're coming to get you, yeah, Bite Size Cinema. Coming to get you, Bite Size Yeah, Barbara. Um, today, we are talking about a remake. Um, I was going to talk about the original. I was really going to talk about the original. But I thought the remake is so good, and I hear a lot of people talk about the remake with Tom, Tom Savini. And um, so I thought, let's just talk about the 1991. So, um, Bo, uh, what I'll do before we actually talk about the movie itself, let's play a trailer. And then we'll come back with a quick synopsis and then we'll get into this movie. So we'll see you soon, people. They came to pay their respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now, they're running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California, have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Welcome back, everybody. So, uh, synopsis this film. It's quite a long synopsis. When the unburied dead return to life and seek human victims, seven refugees seek shelter in a house in Pennsylvania countryside. But the group is at odds as to how they should deal with the situation. It's directed by Tom Savini. It's a remake, as I've just mentioned. It's an 18, and I think it's got about 6.7 on IMBD. So, Bo, Night of the Living Dead. What can you tell me about this film? Um, well, it is the story of the recently dead coming to life mm -hmm. and uh, feasting on the flesh of the living. Um, yeah, it, so I this is a remake that I find really, really interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously Romero produced. Mm -hmm. he, he was in on this. Um, Tom Savini, is it the only movie he's directed? I think that's right. Um. Unless he's he's probably done like some creep show episodes or something like that, but I think uh, this is the only. I don't think so. I think he just did the um, prosthetic special effects. Um, it's not the first time he's worked with Romero. I think he was in a film called Night Riders. I think is an early Romero film with him in it. But I think this is ultimately. I think this is his debut movie for directing. Yeah. So he done. Yeah, he done a handful of Tales mm. from the Dark Side episodes. Mm. After this, did a handful of other, you know, like uh, Dead Time Stories, Chill Factor, a couple of uh, other anthology kind of shows. Has done, I was right, has done an episode of the new Creep Show. Yeah. And has a 
a remake of Nightmare City in the works as his next feature. That sounds exciting. I like the sound of that, especially if he's name all over it. <laughs> yeah, right? So, so yeah, it, it's kind of interesting that Savini um, decided, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct a Night of the Living Dead remake. Um because you're kind of treading on holy ground mm. with remaking Night of the Living Dead. Like, yep. it's a classic horror film. It changed the game. You know, that like, it, you know, I, I'm not the first to say it, but obviously there's not a Walking Dead without Night of the Living Dead. Certainly no, not. No, no, as no, it no. Because I, I, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, and I think the actual title itself is just great, isn't it? Night of the Living Dead. You know, it's just. Yeah. It's that thing in the horror world, isn't it, that we probably say quite a bit amongst each other without realising it's oh, it's like Night of the Living Dead. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that sort of phrase, isn't it? You know, well, you know, like I was uh, talking recently about Carnival of Souls. Hmm. And even that, even though that movie happens before Night of the Living Dead, it's like that movie is a lot like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and I, I'm pretty sure... You know, Romero had to have seen it. There's some of the imagery and so forth that had to have been an influence on him. But yeah, I mean, it changed the game. It was it was the movie that caused the uh, MPAA to be like, hey, we can't just let everybody watch every movie mm -hmm. because uh, this will terrify children. We can't let kids see this. <laughs> and and I think it was Roger Ebert who talked about seeing Night of the Living Dead, uh, the original, in 68 with a crowd at a matinee and how traumatized the children in the audience were yeah, and being like, yeah. you know, that was one of the first times that I'd ever seen a movie truly horrify people. Um, so, yeah, it, like I said, it, you're kind of on on holy ground when you're remaking this, but... Uh, and and he's a, like Savini's an interesting choice for that because he doesn't have a huge directorial back catalog. It, you know, there's not a, a track record there of he is this innovative horror director. And I would say that the thing that's most interesting to me about the Night of the Living Dead remake is that it's very similar. It has all the same beats and everything. Like mm -hmm. it's not trying to reinvent the wheel, no. but the changes it makes are clever. Yeah. Um, and, and I really like that. It's you know you're especially when it comes to the character of Barbara. That's really the oh thing. god yeah yeah I was gonna get onto that. And I have to say, and I, I know there's a um, a friend and listener and fellow podcaster now, uh, Kate Pollock. She will get this. I was watching this the other day and I thought, Jesus, Barbara is Kate Pollock in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, like, why are we, why are we fucking around? Let's just get out of here. Yeah, yeah, she'll get that. If she's listening. She'll like. She'll probably like that as well. I know she'll, she'll like that. But um, yeah, definitely. I love um, uh, Patricia Tolman in this movie. God, she's a badass. And um, like I say, you've got, you've got the remake, haven't you? But they've given, they've stepped that character up, haven't they, from the original one? And um, it's kind of like following her story. But then you're introduced to Ben, which is phenomenal performance by Tony Todd. Because he almost gives like um, a, a sort of Shakespearean performance in this, I felt. With everything he says, just just comes out with conviction. And he's got a little bit of sense of urgency at the beginning of this movie, especially where he's got like the crowbar and he goes out and he kills the zombies. 
And I like the switch between... So you're, at the beginning, you've got Barbara, who is, you know, sort of upset. She doesn't know what the fuck to do, let's be honest. But then you have Ben, who's in control at this point, And then at, by the end of the movie, it's kind of like Ben, unfortunately, you know, spoiler... He does get killed at the end, and then Barbara's kind of, like, taken over, and she's become, like, the badass, you know, as a result. I like that switch of characters, but um, both characters kind of complement each other along the way. Um, and then, obviously, you've got all the other characters in this as well. You've got uh, Bill Mosley at the beginning. I'm kind of... This is how I'm doing... That's how I generally do bite size anyway. I sort of flip from one bit to the other. Um, Bill Mosley doing that. Yeah, you know. I, I would have <laughs> lost money even like as many times as I've seen this. If you had told me, "Oh yeah, Bill Mosley's in the Night of the Living Dead remake," I would have mm. been like, "You're a liar." Mm. Um, and, and I just I never remember that he is playing Johnny in this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a yeah, double look as it, well. <laughs> it blow, every time I see it, it's a surprise. That's because my I'm old and my brain is broken, and it's kind of nice that way. It's always a pleasant surprise when I watch this movie. Oh, yeah, there's Bill Mosley. Yeah. Well, I suppose what you've just said there is that is Night of the Living Dead remake for me on, on the whole because I kind of came to this one very late. I mean, really late. I only watched this for the last few years, a couple of years. Um, I didn't even realise it was such a film. I always, It kind of got masked with the original. And um, I only really knew about Tom Savini when I watched From Dust Till Dawn. As the sex machine character, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, which he does great. And you got to remember when when From Dust Till Dawn came out in the mid nineties, um, and I I enjoy that film. It's got a few issues here and there, um, but it, this that was a time when you didn't really have the internet. So Tom Zavini, uh, I didn't realise that he did all this stuff. You know that he was ex Vietnam vet, veteran, and then coming back on that he. He got involved in, you know, special effects. And it's almost like um, Romero possibly saw something in him thinking, well, you've done everything else in your career, so why not become a film director and why not have a go at a film I've already done, you know. It's like Romero's possibly had a vision here. Um, and what's interesting, I think when this film first came out, it didn't do very well, but as time's gone on, it's become a bit of a cult classic and I hear an awful lot of people you know sort of dote over this film now I suppose want for a better word you know yeah and I, I think that's partly because it is a remake of such a stone cold classic mm. that I don't you know <laughs> just to tip my hand I don't think this is as good as the 68 Night of the Living Dead but also how on earth could it be yeah that's interesting and, and yeah mm. Yeah, so I don't, you know, you, you have to kind of separate the two films. And I don't really have a problem doing that. If the, if the remake is good, I'll still enjoy it, mm. even if I don't like it as much as the original. Um, and and I think this is good. I You know, it. I, I think you're right. I think it, it gets overshadowed by the original. And I think when it first came out, people, you know, they, there were kind of, I, I think, two camps. But I think the majority of uh, you know especially mainstream critics but i think horror fans too were like well it's fine but it's not it's not the first one yeah and well do you know what there's it, another i was thinking about this as well because I, I watched this um 
couple of nights ago for the show. And when I was re-watching it, I thought this reminds me of another film that came out around about the same time, which is Psycho 2. Um, I you know? just had a discussion last night about Psycho 2. Oh, yeah, I know, another, I saw another it. Another yeah. film that, you know, but you look is, as... was much maligned at the time, but yeah, has really gained a lot of followers since. I thought that there were some um, similarities in just the aesthetic of Psycho 2. Obviously, you've gone from a black and white movie to a colour movie. Um I think it's a really good. It's not. It's not a remake. It's obviously a sequel, isn't it? But um, I just thought you could put the two in the same sort of league. You know, Night of the Living Dead, Psycho Two. You've got the originals, stone classics, but done very well. And I just thought that some of the camera, cinema photography that you see in Psycho Two is very sort of similar to uh, Night of the Living Dead remake. You know, when Barbara's laying on the ground and that zombie's about to fall and you get like a sort of aerial shot it's the yeah. same as when you've got um uh like a an upstairs scene within the house in psycho 2 with um oh his name's gone right in my head how, how can i forget about the main character in psycho 2 norman ba- when, uh, when sorry, he's yeah, up in the attic yeah when he's upstairs and you kind of get that sort of pov shot of him looking down the stairs i thought well, there's a few similarities there um but yeah so it's um and of course i've got to mention the uh zack snyder's dawn of the dead here just because um that is a remake as well which isn't too bad either i don't know what you think of that remake though um huh. I'll bet I, I can I, hear it, I can hear it, I can hear it. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck that one in there. <laughs> I mentioned yeah. Zack Snyder. <laughs> I no, I'll I'll tell you, I like Dawn of the Dead as much probably more than I like most Zack Snyder movies. Mm. And I think it's because of the James Gunn um that the the script I think is really tight on yeah. Dawn of the Dead. I my problem with Zack Snyder movies is when they're just overfilled with like slow motion shots and whatnot. Yeah. And I think Dawn of the Dead being one of his earlier films, actually it has a much greater sense of, uh, urgency to it in a way that a lot of his movies don't. And again, just because it's got a good James Gunn script underpinning it, um, I like the Dawn of the Dead remake. I don't. I, I'm. I, I don't want. I don't want my hesitancy to suggest that I don't. It's just I. I when I think about Zack Snyder, I think about his later work, even with something like Army of the Dead. Yeah. Where I'm like, it just misses me. But I really do like his first two or three movies. I genuinely like. And at a certain point, there's just a, a corner that I turned, perhaps personally, on Zack Snyder. Where I was like, I think I'm good. I think I saw the Zack Snyder I needed to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like Dawn of the Dead. I, I, you know, I haven't watched it in a couple of years at this point. But the uh, performance from I can't think of the actor's name. The, this is a, a terrible way to to uh, couch it. But it's the the guy that ended up on Modern Family. Ty Sheridan, I think, is his name. Oh right, uh, yeah, okay. The kind of asshole of the group. Yeah. The, that scene where they're talking about like getting to his boat and they're complaining about how he doesn't do any work and he's like, well, the captain never uh, never associates with the crew. You guys have a good one. Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's his have a gooden that really makes me laugh. I love how what a shit just shitball character that is, <laughs> uh, very intentionally. So yeah, I like the Dawn of the Dead remake a lot. I kind of think this is the better remake. Yeah, yeah. Just because it is so much more, it, it, it's both more faithful, but also, the, like I said, I think the changes it makes. Not that the Dawn of the Dead changes aren't interesting. But I just find this to be the all, kind of the right blend of very reverent, but also, hey, we're doing this in a modern context, so we're going to change the characters a little bit, especially the dynamic between uh, Ben and Barbara, and we're going to shift things around just enough so that it's not the movie you've seen before, but it's going to have all the beats. Like, you're going to know where all this is going. Yeah, for sure. I think I was the reason why I mentioned Dawn of the Dead was just a little bit of a comparison to how you got two remakes here from two classics and they haven't done too bad, which is kind of successful in its own right, if that makes sense, because it's kind of like going into that sort of holy uh, territory or whatever, isn't it? You know, don't mess with that, it's been done very well. It'd be like someone trying to make Jaws, God forbid, you know, you know what I mean? It's that type of thing. Yeah. It's, which which won't you know. happen until Spielberg dies, but I guarantee you the the day his body turns cold, Universal <laughs> is going to have a Jaws remake in production. Because um, he's stopped it so far, and God bless him for it. But um, yeah, or you know, another not quite the same thing, but like when they did the the prequel to the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and right. it was like, ah, I, you know, all the pieces are here, but it doesn't feel right. Mm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. Uh, there's a little, there's a little bit of emptiness in there, isn't there? Not all the planets have aligned with that. Yeah, it, you know, it has all the right ingredients, but somehow it's just like when you have too much, you know, salt in the soup or something, and and it comes out just. I'll, this side of inedible, um, <laughs> and and you know, I I, and I like I like a lot of the performers in it. Mm. Uh, I rewatched it not that long ago, and I was I was a little more forgiving with some of the CGI this time around. Mm. But but yeah, still at the end of the day, it's like well, at a certain point, this just becomes a monster movie where this you know creature is just chasing people around. As opposed to what the first film was, which was much more a study in paranoia, and that's that's why I love it. It's one of why it's my favorite movie. Like the thing is probably my favorite movie of all time. Oh, you don't need and, to. Yeah, you, you know my thoughts on that one. God yeah, damn, I've even right. ripped one of the movie characters' names for this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, there's so much about that movie that feels perfect, and and I don't mind people doing a remake or doing a sequel. You know, I'm a I'm of the mind that you can do a remake or reboot or reimagine whatever the hell you want to. I, I can separate that from the original and still enjoy the original film. But uh, if you want to, you know, tread on that ground, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and make sure that you've got you're bringing your A game uh, because you're being held to that standard. Yeah. And um, and that's the thing, you know, uh, with with like Savini's Night of the Living Dead like it 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 doesn't meet the high standard of the original but also it's so close to the original that you can't really fault it for 
you know, for for being too irreverent, or or like it doesn't have the right ingredients, like that 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 thing prequel, like all the right ingredients are here. Um, and if anything, it it feels weirdly like a throwback film, even though it was you know directed in 1990. It does feel like a movie that could have come out in 1980. Yeah, and yeah, I've, I think it's probably because of the practical special effects. Um, um, that's something I know we talk a lot about, isn't it? But I think as soon as practical tends to age a little bit better. Um, I mean, if you compare this movie to uh, The Mummy, which came out in 1999, which is CGI, CGI, I think that, don't get me wrong, I like the Mummy film, but I think the special effects has, has actually aged quite poorly for that movie. But I think if they actually used practical um, effects in that, it probably would have been a bit better. But with this movie, even though it came out a little bit earlier, it's kind of done itself a favour, do you know what I mean? Because I, I'd look at the, um, you know, like the zombies in this, and I thought that they looked just the same as what they're using today in say like um oh 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 my head's like a goddamn sieve today bo sorry uh the walking oh, dead like a, the what? yeah the walking dead yeah. I, I, I thought oh my god the zombies in this film are just as just the same as the ones they're using today do you know what i mean if not just better 100 uh, percent. Yeah. yeah 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 if that makes sense it, yeah it, it totally works like it it's yeah because there there is an evergreen quality to it but you know the 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 point. You're right about the effects, but I think when I think about this, like, oh, this feels in a lot of ways like a throwback, even in 1990. Like some of the dialogue that comes out of Harry Cooper's mouth, in particular, <laughs> like yeah, calling yeah. people yo-yos and stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, you know, that feels quaint, mm. and it, and it does feel like it doesn't quite belong in a movie in 1990. But you know, perhaps that's just the character. But anytime I hear somebody call somebody a yo-yo, I'm like, what are you 80? Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought but, Tom Towns up as well. He's um, that's the other thing I like about this film is you've got um, obviously Ben and uh, Patricia uh, Tallman by playing Barbara are two central characters, I would say. But then you've got all the other characters in this, which I do actually quite find quite interesting in themselves. Even the asshole of Harry Cooper. Um, I think when you're in that in that situation it's good that you can throw a character in in like that you know and um i think he's great you know they're, they're interesting characters they're side characters but they're still watchable um and you kind of want to see where they're gonna go yeah i think that um william butler as, as tom in this i think is is really good too yeah um yeah <laughs> and yeah, like all, all the people in the house, like uh, Katie Finneran, um, who uh, has been in just everything, mm. um, it, you know, as, as Judy Rose, I think she's great in this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just like there's a lot of really good kind of character niche actors rounding out this cast. And I think you're right. I think I think the performance from Tony Todd is very Shakespearean. Like he's very, very emotive. Like he's not quite 
as over emotional as Barbara was in the original Night of the Living Dead. Mm. You know, who's a character who just shows up and is mostly catatonic for the, the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, in this one, she kind of, you know, you really chart her path. I, I think you're right about this kind of being her story. Yeah. Where it's her starting in the cemetery, being, you know, the the dutiful daughter and having this confrontation with her brother <laughs> and then cool, being yeah. completely freaked out. Mm. But also early on, uh, you know, even Ben says is like, I know you can fight because clearly you just did. Yeah. And I need you to hold your shit together. And she not only holds her shit together, but begins to deal with the situation in a more practical way than anybody else. Even even Ben, like she surpasses Ben in terms of just the like yeah. the cold logic of yeah. we should leave, you know, like that scene where where they're boarding up the house and she's watching the zombies sort of gather when she's like, this is a bad idea. We should leave. We should get out of here right now. They're they're slow enough that we can get away from them mm-hmm. and we can get to safety. Yeah, I think. And- um- I've noticed this before as well, and I think um, Danny Boyle ripped this without really noticing in his 28 Days Later movie. So you've got the um, Cillian Murphy character at the beginning who's kind of like, what the fuck's going on? You know, and he's like, you know, come out from the hospital and he's just walking about. And he's like the weak character to start with. And then um, he meets the... Incredible! I can't remember her name now, but there's the incredible actress in that who originally starts off as the badass. Do you know what I mean? She's going around. You got to. She's basically saying to him, "You got to fucking stand up to survive. If you don't, you're gonna die." But then, at the end of 28 Days Later, Cillian Murphy becomes this badass, and he has to go and rescue her from the soldiers at the end. Um, so I do like that in the movie. Do you know what I mean? When you and it is that sort of journey of someone who's Weak to start with, and I think you're going to be in this situation. Do you know what I mean? If there's a zombie apocalypse out there right now where we're sitting, you're probably going to go, "What the fuck?" And then at that point, some point, you're probably either going to step up or you're not. And in this case, they do. And I, I like that storytelling, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I, I, another thing I really dig about it is both Ben and and especially Barbara at the end yeah. of the movie hmm. have those moments where they're like. They, they just sort of explode in the the rage and sorrow of the moment. Yeah. You know, like the, it's the scene you were talking about with, with Ben when he's got the crowbar outside and he's killing uh, the zombies that have shown up early. Yeah. And, and kind of understanding that you've just got to destroy the brain and all that kind of thing. There's a practical element to that scene as well. But it's him staring up at the sky and yelling, God damn you! And that's clearly aimed at god himself of yeah. Just like, yeah you have fucked us as a species like maybe we were asking for it but this is what a horrible thing to visit upon the earth 
Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's, yeah, I like that. It's, it's it's terrific. And then you know he gives the goddamn all of you, and I think I think one is directed at God and one is directed at the zombies. Yeah, and and Barbara is watching this like, oh well, I think he's freaking out. You know, <laughs> like that that's sort of the interesting change between the original and this one. And yeah. and there's that moment at the end that Barbara has when she's escaping the farmhouse, and there's the the zombie with the doll, the mother zombie. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of ducking around it and realizing like how slow and plotting it is. And having, the, you know, that emotional moment of like, we could have gotten away. This, this didn't have to happen. Mm. And, and then she, you know, kills it and, and like scream cries for a second because of the futility in the situation. Like there are those moments in this movie that where the futility of it all really comes home, like Ben being shot up in the basement and finding the gas pump. Key. Oh yeah. I was going to say about that. And I think that again, he's, he's having a laugh. He's joking, isn't he? He's, he's laughing about it. He's gone. This has got, gone so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just literally fucking, it, I've got nothing more I can do, but laugh now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's total gallows humor. Like he's listening to the radio, and they're like, "Well, the recently dead are coming." He's like, "Yeah, hey, goddamn right they are." You know, it, it's just understanding like we this situation got so wildly out of hand and exploded on us, and and you're like you're also charting through that like Barbara's understanding of not only the situation with the zombies but understanding human nature. And kind of understanding that this isn't going to work out. Yes, yeah, that's right. It, it, and I like that because, like you say, it's not just a... It is a fun zombie movie, but you've got, like say, the characters. You've got a little question of faith in there as well, like you said, but it's not in your face, is it? But like you say, with the Ben character looking up, God, you know. And I think him looking at the pumpkin at the end is another little dig at that as well to say, oh, God, this is just so sort of fucked up. Yeah. Um, Whilst we're on it, just a little segue. There's another character that does that so well in a movie, which is uh, George Clooney in From Dust Till Dawn. It's just one of the phrases he comes out. It's a little segue here, but when he's talking to Harvey Cartel's character, and he's trying to sort of say, you're a pastor, and you need to step up, because you need that. we need that holy war. And he says, listen, he goes, there's definitely a devil out there. That's for fucking sure. So there's definitely got to be a fucking god, he goes. <laughs> I just love that little scene in the movie. So. My, my favorite moment in all of From Dusk Till Dawn, yeah. I think, is when it, it's after that initial vampire attack mm. when he says, uh, look, I don't believe in vampires either, but I think we can all agree that what we're dealing with out there is vampires. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like, look, let us yeah. let's dispense with all fucking around yeah. and deal with the situation as it stands. And I do think that's kind of the Barbara vibe is like, why are we, why are we boarding ourselves up in this house mm. when being in a place where we can maneuver some is the smart thing to do because we can duck around them. Like we, I, you walk briskly and you can get away from these things. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you just have to avoid being surrounded. Mm hmm. And, and I, you know, Ben, I think is, is really the impediment. Like he's, he's the speed bump there because he wants the safety and security of the house, even though it's a false security. Mm -hmm. 
And and she's already moved past that of understanding like the, a house no longer represents that in this world. No. A house is a place you can be trapped. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not yeah. yeah. You know. Uh and then and by the end of the movie when she's looking around at the other human beings who have survived and are, you know, in theory, much like the end of the first one, like there's a suggestion like, oh, we've kind of turned the tables on this to some degree, but also because human nature is what it is, we're probably still good and fucked. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and she has that, like, it's a line that doesn't exist in the original. And it's one of the, you know, again, a thing that probably uh, presaged the walking dead quite a bit where she says, we're them, we're them and they're us. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and one of the hillbillies, I think this is one of, uh, played by John Skip and Craig Spector too splatterpunk horror writers i like a whole lot uh cameo in this movie and one of them is like what and she's just like nothing you know like I, there's no i'm not wasting my breath trying to explain this concept to you fucking backwoods yokels yeah exactly uh, and, and that's uh, saying the world really has changed isn't it? it it's changed but it hasn't because i think what we're dealing with here has always been there in our roots and i think that that is really cemented when she shoots Harry Cooper in the head, didn't she? When they, you know, just boom, that's it. No, because you're yeah, wrong, mate, I, you know what I mean? That's yeah. it, boom, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and that that's another change from the original where Barbara, first of all, did not survive in the original. Spoilers for a, a movie that's, you know, 53 years old. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes, but, yes, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> you had your chance, people. Uh, <laughs> but... In yes. this one, not only does she survive, but she is playing judge, jury, and executioner because she she was there to see the horribleness of what happened in that farmhouse at the end where it's just a shootout with Ben and and this old dude who wanted to confine himself to the cellar. And that's the, you know, of course, the, the secret sauce of all of the Romero zombie films and any zombie film that's that's worth anything is that the zombies are metaphor. They are the backdrop. And what the real problem is, is the people in the house. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. like everyone could have survived if they had just stopped to think for two seconds and not been entirely selfish. Uh, maybe Tom. Tom was shooting the lock off the gas pump. <laughs> yeah, one of the exactly. Yeah. He do. Uh-huh. He's, yeah, I would have thought him being... Possibly a guy that work, has been working on the farm might have known that um, highly flammable cellulant, uh, uh, petroleum is, you know. I thought you might have just thought that. But, yeah. you, know. <laughs> you know, I can, for myself, I can kind of chalk that up to, look, it's a tense situation. He is he is reacting badly in a, in a very high-pressure environment. Uh, it's just making a bad decision in the spur of the moment. But... It is. It is truly yeah. stupid. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. It's how people how, how people act in desperation, isn't it? He probably knew that possibly would happen, but he's thinking because it's so shit that's going on. I'm going to give it a go, and it turns out south for him. But uh, the other thing I was going to mention is well, just a little hint of comedy I picked up from the guy on TV. You know, the news guy. You know, he's just acting like he's broadcasting that there might be an accident between two vehicles on the highway. The way he's sort of talking about this zombie outbreak. And he's, mm -hmm. oh, just somebody's come in. Hang on. Oh, they think it might be contaminated water. You know. 
There you go, people. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> There's no sense of urgency yeah. about him, you know. It's, well, he's just done as a well, bit of comedy or something. You know. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely an idea that... Um, he, it, like, he seems very skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, you know, like nobody can quite wrap their head around like that this is happening. But you're right. I think the fact that he is so sort of matter matter of fact is uh, is pretty great. Um, yeah, I, and I like the uh, another quick cameo. But Russell Steiner, the original Johnny, oh, is yeah. the sheriff saying, you know, oh, they're dead. They're all messed up. Which is one of my favorite lines from any movie ever. Is mm-hmm. The the dude say like you know well can, or do they pose a threat? Well, they're dead. They're all messed up. I think it's just a hilarious line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, I'm glad that they brought it back again. I think the thing that I like most about this remake, um, is that they understand what was great about the original Night of the Living Dead. And they're like, okay, we need this line and we need this moment, and you know. You know, we need that moment uh, where instead of a bunch of hillbillies shooting Ben at the end of Night of the Living Dead, which certainly was a a social statement to some degree, yeah. Um, that in this one, it's more Barbara being the assertive one and being like, "I can't let I can't let this guy live after what he's done." Mm-hmm. And and a repetition of the line from the original, you know, like here's another one for the pile, but it comes out of Barbara's mouth in reference to Mister Cooper to say, like, you know, this asshole just didn't deserve to live. Yeah. And and in this new world that we have created, or that ha- has been visited upon us, then we can't let a person like this survive. Like we, the the only way that they're going to make it out is to have people like Ben, not mm. Mr. Cooper. You need the people that are willing to work together to solve this problem. And, but I, I think Barbara also acknowledges that, you know, that's just not human nature. Like, you know, seeing these dudes take shots at the zombies hanging from the trees and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. That's not necessarily right either, is it? Do you know what I mean? And that's where she's sort of thinking we're just as bad as they are. Do you know what I mean? We're just as fucked up, but, um, as a little light ray of hope, there's still going to be people like Ben moving on from this, I would imagine. She's going to have to go out and find that, you know, in the world. Uh, it's still still good out there. And um, Yeah. And also, like, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but I love that conversation that she has with her brother in the car as well, where she, you know, where, where this character's progressed from. Having a... A discussion with her brother about oh I don't know why we're visiting the grave they would never drive 200 miles to come and see us and it's like a <laughs> so driving to the sort of graveyard to her then basically shooting this guy in the face and saying right the world's fucked you know so it's gone from that to that in that um, very yeah. short space of time yeah I, I guess in a lot of ways she has always sort of been you know the the character willing to go out of her way, like she's making this big drive, mm. um, uh, so that you know she she can do the right thing. You know yeah. whether whether or not it, you know the the 
the, the the gesture is what's important. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to be a human being who cares about other people and even in their death, like doing the thing that is decent and respectful and sort of understanding, like maybe she's in the minority. And I think I, it's hard not to watch a movie like this and think about the pandemic. Oh yeah. Because yeah. there's so many analogies yeah. and it's like, Oh yeah, no, we're as a species, we are, uh, we are easily frightened, and when we are frightened, we do dumb and selfish things. And uh, I think somebody much smarter than me pointed out, like, you know, what the pandemic taught us is if there were a zombie outbreak, it wouldn't be that uh, people didn't believe it. They would, they would, <laughs> they would, like, meet the zombies on the road and say it was their choice to be a zombie. You know, um, it, it, it just shows that like we, we as a species, the world over, yeah. um, have, have this innate sort of selfishness. And when, when presented with a challenge or a, a scary situation, like a virus that you can't control, then we react badly and tribally and, you know, like it turns out Romero was right. Like he was a cynical guy, but it turns out the cynicism is probably well placed. Absolutely. And the other thing I've, I'm, I have this uh, discussion quite a lot about the zombie apocalypse. And what I like about the zombie apocalypse is the the unlikely hero in that situation. So you might just have a pizza delivery guy, and I think that's uh, mentioned again in Walking Dead, um, where. Rick Grimes is, I can't remember the name of the character now, but it's the um, Chinese character in it. Um, oh, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Grimes says to him, you know, because Glenn basically comes out and comes up with this plan. He says, if we do this and we do that, dun, 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 dun. And he's talking to Rick Grimes, who's a, an authoritative guy in, in the real world, shall we say. And then Rick comes out and says, so what was you doing, you know, when, this, when the shit wasn't going down? He said, oh, I was a pizza delivery guy. And what I love yeah. about that is, is you know, in, when people are in the normal sort of system, they're just going about their own business. But when the shit goes down, it can just be that unlikely character. It's going to save your ass. Do you know what I mean? Because it's kind of giving these people the opportunity to think outside the box and cut all the red tape off and go, right, let's do this. Do you know what I mean? And just one of my fascinations with all that. Do you know what I mean? So people will rise from... Where you probably least likely think they would do, do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's always an interesting yeah. concept to me that. Well, it strips away the veneer of it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic class is, it doesn't matter what your background is, what matters is your character. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And and the people that do well for the most part in in these movies are the people who are thinking of others yeah. as well as yeah. themselves. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, in Day of the Dead, it is the people who are trying, to, you know, trying to help everyone uh, that kind of make it. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's it's really, I, 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 I always thought that these movies presented a pretty grim view of humanity. And I think in some ways it's optimistic. Yeah, in yeah. a way that I never gave it credit for, because I think people are actually worse than these movies suggest. 
Yeah, well, like I said, I think I said this before, uh, Darren Wilson from the Psychosomatic Podcast, shout out to him, he came out and said something when we were talking about the Mouth of Madness on that episode, and he, he said something that really made a lot of sense to me, he said, um, 80% of the world is, is going to be cynical, it's going to be cynical and we ain't going to make it, but he said there's always that 20% that we just might, and I think that 20% is that what you just said there, is that person that's going to try and help you out. And mm-hmm. uh, think outside the box, so it's kind of like that sort of formula. So I think with the zombie, I think that, and I think that's why people love zombie films. There's so there's a little bit in there for whatever you want. You know, you can watch it because it's just a survival movie. There's action. There's if you like a bit of gore and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a little bit of social commentary in there as well. So I think that's why the, the zombie genre has lasted the way it has because it's something that we can sort of relate to in a funny sort of way. And, uh, well, and you, know. you can you can put anything in place of the zombies, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. in your head. It can be it can be COVID, it can be climate change, it can be uh, you know any number of ills plaguing the species. Yeah, and because all zombies are at the end of the day is this you know nameless horde of you know flesh eaters that are coming for you. And you can't reason with them, and you can't outrun them. You know they're just going to continue to come. It's yeah. the thing you've got to turn around and face at, at some point, and that's why it's an easy metaphor for a lot of stuff, you yeah. know. Um, but I think it it still works, and and again, it, I think it works best because it sort of illuminates what is both best and worst about human beings in that situation. You know, none of none of these movies, short of something like Warm Bodies, none of these movies are about the zombies. They're they're about the people yeah. that the zombies are after, yeah. and and trying to, you know, chart their course through this, you know, hell on earth that has occurred. And what do you do with that? And and how do you react to that? That that's always the big question. It, it's not. It's not the fact of the zombies. It's how do you react to the exactly. zombies that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, when someone said to me, you know, RJ, how are you, how, how are you dealing with a pandemic? I said, well, I've watched Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead a few times, so I think I'm going to be all right. Don't worry, you know. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it might just be all right. teach you how to behave. Yeah. Like, yeah. you've got to, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to behave as if other people exist. Yeah. I'm just waiting and for the Tom Zavini motorcycle gang to turn up in the shopping mall. <laughs> Man, no shit. It's, it, at some point. Uh, yeah, and that that was the really sad and frustrating thing, uh, especially here in the U.S. in particular. Um, there was a, a portion of the population that reacted to COVID in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most disheartening things I've ever seen in my lifetime. But right alongside that were the people who, you know, were like healthcare workers on the front lines of that and the people that were celebrating those people every day at the height of the pandemic and so forth. And that stuff, it was like, oh, well, that's the good side of humanity. I mean, it's unfortunate that we got to deal with the flip side, which are people that just refuse to believe that anything could possibly be true if they can't see it and touch it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was, 
like I said, it was it was totally like a Romero Living Dead movie where it was like, Absolutely. oh yeah, people yeah. are people are terrible. If you put, yeah, it was the uh, there. There's a line in the mist that I think of a lot where um, Thomas Jane uh, talks about civilization and he says yeah but you turn out the lights and cut the power and civilization falls away pretty fast absolutely yeah i totally agree with that and uh that's one of the things that i go by really generally up until today really you know what i mean it's uh it doesn't they say we're only three meals away from anarchy or something like that aren't we you know it ain't that far right um yeah and you know in the uk at the moment you know we've had the old petrol crisis you know that didn't take a lot to happen you know you just think holy shit uh, yeah, we had, we had a couple of those. We had a, a toilet paper run ah! that, that was <laughs> like at the beginning of COVID. Like people buying four cases of toilet paper, like yeah. it was the last time they were ever going to be able to buy yeah. it. And 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 you had you know that sort of Kevin Bacon from Animal House, like please remain calm. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, where where people were just like, if you buy just a roll or two, we're all going to be fine. So just please don't buy cases. And instead, what had to happen is stores had to enforce, like, no, you can only buy three rolls at a time or whatever. Because people just, when they get scared, they panic and they react badly and stupidly and selfishly. Yeah, but that's just... Like you you saw recently, because I was following that a little bit on the news, the the big run on gas stations. And then mm-hmm. I think it was, maybe it was Boz uh, recently who posted has, a picture yeah, that was yeah, like yeah, yeah. an empty, uh, an empty gas station. That was like, you know, a, what a difference a couple of weeks makes. He did. Yeah. He posted that. I think it was yesterday on his uh, page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was a, there was a, I'll shout it out as a, as a friend and listener, um, Darren Randall, he listens to the show. He posted on his page as well. Somebody looking out their bathroom window, with the bathroom just literally stocked up with toilet rolls, and they were looking out the window saying, "Oh, look at those idiots at the uh, petrol station filling up." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The irony. It, it was great. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's it, it's so depressing sometimes uh, when when you see like, again, you just see that kind of exaggerated, frightened behavior, mm. um, and. Like it's just people who seem to forget that you know we we there is such a thing as a social contract. We exist in a society with other people. We have to think about them as well as ourselves in a perfect world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 the fact that you know there are you know political parties and there are social movements that trade on the idea that fuck everybody else you're what's important don't let anyone tread on your freedoms and you know it, that ignores the fact that like well there are other people around you and sometimes other people around you need more than you do at a given time and yeah. sometimes you're the one who needs something yeah and and but if if we all operate from that kind of solipsistic selfish place then we we're all fucked mhm and and uh, that I think is the true lesson of all of these movies is if if we all if we all work together everything will be fine if we don't we're all fucked we're fucked yeah as a yeah as humanity I suppose you could say so I mean there you go rounding up for the Night of the Living Dead remake 
it's a fun movie. You take it for as you will. But there's also like a like you say, as, as we've discussed, and this is a great conversation about the zombie genre on the whole. You look a little closer. There's that social commentary, and the panic, like you say, just with the um, character uh, Tom that is in panic in doing something stupid in that in that scenario or that or in that case. So, um, okay then, uh, Bo. I think we'll we'll wrap it up on that one. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll uh, end on we're all fucked. Well, for, yeah, basically, I like that. Yeah, we're basically fucked. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, if, if I don't know, maybe maybe this very episode of this podcast is the point where things turn around and people start, you know, working together to make the world a better place. Let let's uh, aim for that. That li- this is the the kumbaya moment. Yeah, this is it. I listened to Bo and RJ on bite size, and suddenly my life changed. Right, <laughs> the, the scales fell away from my eyes, and I realized that what's truly important is that we all work together. <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. That would be great. Oh dear, thanks, Bo. It's been great. It's, I love yeah. it. I love. I just love our conversations. You know where we go and all that. But these these are great. These are great topics. These are, these are good things to talk about. Um, it's hard not to when you're talking about like these Living Dead movies because they are so ultimately kind of moralistic in their way. Mm. And um, I, I I I tend to uh, subscribe to a lot of that kind of you know, in internal morality that, uh, a lot of these movies portray. And, um, at the, it, like, uh, I watched the amusement park recently that, that Romero, uh, you know, PSA scare movie about getting old. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. that too, like it, it is such a Romero film because mm. even though it was, uh, essentially an educational film, it is just again Romero saying like we've just got to take care of each other. That's yeah. all. It, that's all it ever boils down to, is just take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's the. Uh, and I, I sometimes wonder whether you know, if Tom Savini just happens to be listening to this show, whether he's he's he's, he's got to the end of this episode goes guys man I, di- I didn't even think I put that in this movie. You know, you horror fans, you you, you dissect these movies, and I didn't even know I did that. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> It's the same with um, John Carpenter's The Thing. I sometimes think, because that film's been so di- dissected by fans, especially on the Outpost 31 group. I wonder if JC's ever gone, man, but guys, you, where are you coming up with all these ideas, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> John Carpenter, God bless him, is just too busy smoking weed, playing Destiny, and making music. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it. that's and, it, yeah. And that's what I love about him. Like, you... You have served your your time, sir. You do whatever the hell it is that makes you happy for the the rest of your life. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, so when you see that executive producer credit on a remake of one of his films, I think it's just JC uh, picking up a phone. Yeah, just just send me the paycheck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, executive might, producer even, credit. <laughs> yeah, we might have even talked about this before, but one of my favorite lines from any director ever was Carpenter talking about, like, somebody asked him, well, how do you feel about re- people remaking your movies? And he says, I love it, because every time I get a phone call telling me that somebody wants to remake one of my movies, I hold out my hand, and a check falls into it. Yeah. <laughs> Place for my next video game and pack of cigarettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, oh, my God. The fact that that guy is not just, like, 85% lung cancer at this point <laughs> is a miracle. 
Yeah. He just keeps going on, doesn't he? God bless him. Oh I, my yeah, God, I'm please, watching. I would. I hope he outlives me. Yeah. I, I want that guy to live forever. John Carpenter is a a force of good in this yeah, world. He's uh, an absolute legend. All right, and uh, Bo, so before we wrap the show up, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, I know you've, you've been busy with your new show, The Dark Parade, and you're doing your 31 of Halloween. Just like to mm-hmm. say, it was good to hear that you gave uh, a little buzz on the Howling movie. Uh, oh, I'm that's a, so good. I like that film. Yeah, it, it yeah. gets mixed reviews, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I'm a fan. Especially uh, yeah, with, uh, I think if you're a fan of horror movies and you don't like the howling, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. That mm. movie is such a delight. It has that it, it has such a good time being a werewolf movie. Yep. You know, uh, a lot of every now and again you see those horror movies that seem slightly embarrassed by being what they are, and the howling is Joe Dante putting his big werewolf dick on the table. Yeah. And being like, we are a werewolf movie, and how do you like that? Well, you got um, um, you got Boteen doing the the effects right right off the um, just before he did the thing, or he might have been doing the thing at the same time. Um, Dick Miller, oh, God, am I? How 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 do you just want to find that occult shop and go in there and spend time in that shop with Dick Miller? Do you know what I mean? Just oh, you want books? You want books? You want books on rich witchcraft? Hey, I've got uh, silver bullets. You know, twenty five dollars a buck. You you know, trying to make a bucket. Oh. You know, it's just great, isn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah, I would push I I would push that ladder around for him yeah. all day long. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. It is so good. Uh yeah, it not just yeah, I mean Dick Miller is amazing and it and the fact that that movie trucks. It has, you know, it's 90 minutes long and that thing moves. Mm. Uh so I yeah, I love the pacing of it. I love the performances in it. I I I just love everything about it. I think it's it's really well done. It's real tongue in cheek, but it's not it's not afraid to be kind of scary, but it's also not afraid to be a little silly. It's the fact that that and American Werewolf came out in the same year is just an embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I know Rick Baker was supposed to do the special effects, but then he did it for American Werewolf, didn't he? Um, y- yeah, he had promised Landis like years yeah. before. That if he ever like it, like Landis had been sitting on that American Werewolf script for a while, and he wanted Rick Baker to do it, and then you know Rick Baker signed on to the Howling. Landis called him up and was like, "Hey, remember that Werewolf movie I was going to do? I'm going to do it now, and you promised that you would do the effects." Yeah, and so it was a weird situation where Rick Baker kind of both recommended Rob Bottin for the Howling, like as he was leaving the the Howling production, he was like, hey, I'm not going to leave you in the lurch. You need to get this guy, Rob Bottin, to to do the effects for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also kind of like he's, I think he's got a consulting credit on the Howling, Rick Baker does. But, I think because he spent a little bit of time at the beginning, didn't he, before he switched, I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but Boteen can't take nothing away from him. And the other thing with The Howling, I've always thought that it just feels like the John Carpenter werewolf movie that he never did. And that's taken nothing away from Joe Dante, because I know they were obviously friends at that time. Um, But it just, you know, everything about it's got a bit of a JC aesthetic about it. You know, the title, the special effects, the way the film's put together. Just, yeah, just... Because I know JC never did a werewolf movie, um, but I always put it down that... If he did, it would have been something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's terrific. The, the howling is so much. Yeah, fun. no, I've got, I've got a love for it. Um, 
maybe after the, the busyness of Halloween, we'll, we'll get... I've, I've, actually, I've already done the howling. <laughs> God, you know what, Bob? I'm going to end up doing a, 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 a review on a film that I've done already. <laughs> At some point, I'll tell you what, I'll let you know because on Dark Parade at some point, um, Dark Parade is kind of my my show where I can actually do series of films. Mm -hmm. uh, like we're doing Psycho right now. We're going to do Night of the Demons after that. And and after that, I'm not sure. I've got a couple of ideas, but at some point I'll do The Howling just to do that run. Yeah, let me know and I'll um, join you on that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, I'll, I'll hook up with you for that one and we'll get deep, deep into the howling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's a terrific movie it, and it's a great Halloween movie because there are all kinds of references to other werewolf movies and books and all yeah. kinds of stuff, uh, litter throughout it. Like, it, I, like I said, it's just a movie that loves being a werewolf movie and, um, even more so than American werewolf to some degree, it's a little more tongue in cheek even yeah. than that. I like it when uh, one of the werewolves, I think it's a head honcho from the convent, he gets shot by a silver bullet at the end and he goes, they're good. <laughs> he literally compliments yeah. the bullet, doesn't he? He goes, oh God, that works, you know. It's yeah, almost like it he's thinking it might have been just a myth and then when he gets shot, it's like, oh my God, yeah, I can feel this reaction. So uh, I don't think I've ever seen that in a, uh, a werewolf movie where the werewolf's actually going, shit, that works. You know, So it's quite clever. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a terrific film. Mm. I, I can't say enough good things about it. No, of, no, all no, the no. movies I've done for uh, the 31 days this year, it's yeah. probably the one that on rewatch, at the end of the watch, I was just like, man, I am so like energized and excited to yeah. talk about, yeah. not just to talk about this movie, but like, I, I, there's nothing I love more than seeing a good horror movie and seeing a good horror movie that I haven't seen in a while yeah. and I had kind of forgotten how good it was. Mm -hmm. And, and it, so having that experience of just like, man, that was even better than I remembered. You yeah, know, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. it's like being jacked up on Halloween candy. <laughs> and the other thing I was just going to say is that, um, you know, it's these films that we, I, I generally enjoy like the one we've talked about today in the Howling. They're only sort of 80, 89 minutes long. Um, which is quite telling, really. Do you know what I mean? You just kind of get that 30-minute beginning, middle, end. Do you know what I mean? And it just works. There you go. Chuck in everything, special effects, all that. Good characters, yeah. good story. There you go. I, with, with rare exceptions, it, when horror movies edge towards two hours and two hours plus, you really got to be doing something special. Like mm. Midsummer, I'll allow because that movie goes places. And you kind of need that slow, a slow build for it. But for the most part, if you're a horror movie, 90 minutes is where you ought to be. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm a big believer in that. I think you you need a quick pace. And because yeah. um, I talked about Ginger Snaps too before, I talked about The Howling, and that was a movie that I really like. But I think that movie would benefit from being about 15 minutes shorter too. And it's yeah. hour 45, hour 50, like that. You trim that up, and you've got a much snappier film that I yeah. think works a little better. Yeah. yeah, that generally works as a rule. So, um, yeah, thank you, Bo. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Um, what's your next? Um, what's the next thing you're putting out there on the in the podcast world before we uh, wrap up? 
Yeah, so I'll be, uh, like I said, on Dark Parade, uh, that's a new new show that I'm doing, but yeah. it, it's sort of an umbrella to do a bunch of dumb shit. Um, I'm doing uh, a series right now on Psycho. So we did Psycho 1. Uh, Psycho 2 is dropping today as I record this. Um, both of those with Jerry Cortez, a.k.a. Mr. Venom. Yep. Um, in addition to that, which, which those episodes are kind of the main episodes, and there's uh we definitely do some research and try to give you information that you probably don't know about those movies or at least discuss them in a way that is uh a little more in depth than uh a lot of the stuff that i listen to that's one of the reasons i wanted to do the show that way is to be like hey let's really dig into this movie and talk about the themes of the film and Mm -hmm really get into some stuff that you probably didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And then in addition to that, there's, uh, again, all this is under the dark parade, uh, podcast banner. Um, there's found footage fool, which is me talking about found footage movies because I watched way too many of those. (laughs) And those tend to be, uh, to borrow your term, tend to be kind of bite sized looks at, uh, those movies and uh, but I, I also have a list of five criteria that I judge it against like a, a good found footage me- movie needs to do these five things uh-huh. and and so that's how I grade all those found footage movies right um, and then House of Horror will be or no, I'm sorry uh, Heart of Horror will be dropping soon which is me and Kate Pollock yeah. uh, talking about movies uh, that are both horrific and and have an element of romance or something about relationships and it's just an excuse to get Kate to tell stories about her dating life, which is hilarious. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I can't wait for people to hear that. And then, of course, on LegionPodcast.com, that is where you can find not just this show, uh, but Dark Parade and, you know, Darren Show, Psycho Semantic and yeah. Cinema PsyOps and Cinema Beef and like just a number of podcasts. And that's where also this month you can find me doing little mini drops every day of uh like we talked about that episode that I did on the howling but every single day uh first thing in the morning you you should be able to find uh a new episode of the 31 days of halloween and uh that's been a whole lot of fun i, I this is the second year i've done it where yeah. there's been a, a new show every day and I'll absolutely do it again next year. Uh, Lord willing and the Creek don't rise as uh, they say. Um, It's my like, it's such a great way to get in the spirit of things. And I, it's, you know, this is what we live for. This is the best month out of the year. It's Halloween. It's it fall is starting. Trick or treaters are out. It's, it's the best. I love, I love Halloween so much and, and I love celebrating it all month long. So um yeah check out all of that stuff and i hope you enjoy it if you don't uh you know find me on on facebook or, or twitter or uh instagram at legion podcast uh you can also find me at dark parade pod um find me those places and you can yell at me and tell me how i've ruined your life <laughs> or improved it on how to survive the zombie genre uh yeah all right both thank you for that also i'm gonna give a little shout out to uh gary hill from cinema beef podcast who's doing also doing the 31 howling beasts of uh halloween which uh i'm involved with as well i think we're all involved aren't we on legion i think it's i think legion's gone through the roof isn't it this year on halloween it's there's a lot of content going on out there <laughs> it, uh, yeah, we're we're dropping a ton of stuff. Yeah. It's probably 
Uh, yeah, it, like there's at least something every day, if not yeah. a couple of things every day. So yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> if you are not subscribed to Legion Podcast on your podcatcher of choice, you are certainly missing out on new and interesting stuff. And the the thing I like about it too is that both with Gary doing the 31 Days of Howling Beast and me doing 31 Days of Halloween, mm-hmm. like all of that stuff is like. 15 to 30 minutes long so it's not forever yeah. you know it's not like these big three hour shows that you see drop sometimes so uh yeah it's something that you can just hey you gotta take a trip to the store yeah. uh throw on one of those and that'll keep you company yeah absolutely no all right Bo. well thank you very much for coming on to the show it's it's always great having you coming on here like i said i keep reaching out to you hey Bo, i've got this one I've got this one. <laughs> so, yep. Um, no doubt, have you back onto the show in, in the future for us to talk um, talk movies, horror movies, and stuff like that. So, um, all right, guys. Well, uh, as as a little bit of admin for the show, as you know, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network with uh, Bo Ranzel and all the other gang on there. So go and check out all the other shows. Um, I will be coming back soon with uh, Bo- the Boz from Little Pot of Horrors to talk about American Werewolf in London, so that'll be um, coming soon. I've also got Kung Fu Dave coming back for uh, The Crow. I'm going to be trying to drop that in this month before the end of October, so look out for those shows as well. And um, you can find, more importantly, you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, several other players if you put in uh, Bite Size Cinema um, into Google, it'll take you somewhere where you can listen to the show. And I've also got a Facebook page where I'm most active, so let me know if there's any films that you want me to review or just put any comments on there and tell me how how you enjoy the show. So um, there you go. Uh, as always, keep it bite size, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark mental health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com. 
iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.